This interview goes deep. Many of the interviews that I do here on the Green Business Impact Podcast, we talk about the green business. And you might dive into the overall state of the industry and what needs to happen there to really make an impact on the climate crisis. And we go into that in this interview as well. Don't worry. But there is so much more to this interview than just talking about the Larry Rouse Foundation and how they are creating a clothing recycling center in Uganda to help reduce that 30% of clothing waste that is created every year and reduce that to 10%. And all of that is great, but there is so much more that we dive into, like how Travis is taking a trek on the longest walkable road in the world and his journey of self-exploration and also talking about emotional intelligence and so much more in this interview. I had a blast recording this interview and I think you will agree that after you listen to this entire episode, you will completely rethink the way you're thinking about your business. So stay tuned for this transformational episode. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Travis, I know you have a few different ventures that you're working on. You have Pains to Profits, the Deeper Education Project, which is a two-part education system, and then you have the Larry Raub's foundation. So let's start off with the work you're doing at the Larry Rouse Foundation there. So what do you guys do? So we're also a startup, just got registered as a non-governmental organization in Uganda. We're starting a clothing recycling initiative because Africa does not really have recycling infrastructure in place. When you think about the United States and we have a working recycling infrastructure in a first world country, third world countries, not so much. And they get millions and millions of tons of clothing just exported there. It's a nice term, exported there for general use and general selling and stuff like that. But really less than 30% of what is donated or exported or given over is actually usable or sellable. So we have a plan laid out for a clothing recycling station. So we can take those materials and those textiles, sort them out to find out what is good and usable and can immediately be sold. And then whatever is left, put it through the recycling process to either turn it into usable clothing or upcycle it into other materials that can be used for other things. So it's the waste down from 70% down to 10% or hopefully less. Yeah, that's great. The clothing industry, like this very big thing that a lot of people in climate and understanding sustainability don't really think about, but it's like this major piece of impact on the climate is how much carbon that goes into creating clothes and the fast fashion and all that stuff, shipping clothes around the world and all of these things. It has a really big impact, but it's really hard to trace. And that's why it's been this kind of not really well understood piece of the pie is just because it's so distributed. There's so many different moving parts that kind of bring a product from the very beginning to the end that it's really hard to say, oh, this, it went here and then it went over here, then it went over here and half of them came from this spot and a third of them came from this spot and another third from over there. So it was like really hard to track and trace, like where is it sustainable? What's happening? So the clothing and textiles industry is like really this unknown, very hard to manage part of this 
climate crisis and environmental sustainability piece. So how do you guys be able to say that, okay, we're going to try to do something about all of the clothes that are just not being able to be recycled and start using those things again is really important. It's a major unknown in sustainability for sure. Glad you guys are doing that work. Yeah. Clothing, when it gets put into landfills and waste sites, when it starts building up and building up and then it gets baked by the sun and just sitting there festering in the elements and all that fun stuff, there's chemicals in clothing. And when those chemicals get heated up and start to break apart, they get released into the atmosphere. And a lot of that causes a lot of methane and methane is definitely not so friendly to the earth, so to speak, but that's one of the big problems. It's a later stage in the development of the actual foundation. The first part is building that recycling station along with an education so that people can learn about recycling circular economies, fast fashion versus slow fashion, so to speak, and how to create their own sustainable fashion brand. And the second part is going to start tackling the landfills, the waste sites, and putting in a bigger recycling system and filtration system. Definitely. So you guys are just at the beginning stages of your startup where you're just trying to build that proof of concept, or do you already have that kind of there and you're building a site or what stage are you guys at? So we have proof of concept. My partner, he's been studying it for 10 years, but he's had his own fashion brand for about 10 years now and he's sold his products and he was a successful business owner in that front. And then he switched to this other project when he got inspired by the idea two, three years ago now, and he got stuck in Uganda for COVID. We do have proof of concept. We do have samples and we do have a site that we've built up and we're getting it optimized and ready for everybody to see. Right now we're just in the stage of seeking funding, seeking investment and seeking sponsorships, backers, other people that want to get involved, other people that want to donate and people that believe in the work that we're doing. Cause it's not just what we're doing or making a profit because it is a nonprofit organization, but it's really about the community development, bringing together people to work together for a common purpose. Definitely. And being able to work for our earth, being able Absolutely. to be able to build a more sustainable world where we're not just throwing everything away and causing all of these chemicals that are in the shirts to go into the environment, which is really great. And where do you guys hope to see your foundation go through throughout 2023? Where do you hope to be at the end? I'm expecting we'll be fully funded by April and be able to start the continue on the research and development phase continue growing awareness, get the local store started and set up in Uganda to sell products that we're purchasing from India because their recycling facilities produce pretty much the same thing that we're going to be producing the hundred percent organic and eco-friendly clothing. So set up the store and then starting spring of next year, break ground and start the construction for the actual recycling station. Nice. That's awesome. And so I have this question and you might not be able to answer this and it might be a difficult question, but one of the core fundamentals of why Amazon was so successful is because it, it really hit this core piece of a human desire to get something faster and have it as easy as possible. So then that's really a big deal with fast fashion. It's like, you're getting something like really quickly and it's, it goes along with the trends and things like that. So what needs to change for us to go from this idea of fast fashion and always need to have something like right now, immediately, whatever the biggest fad is to being able to go to something more sustainable, what needs to happen for that change? Education. I think education is the building block of pretty much everything whether it's growing up in a family and getting educated on how to walk, talk, doing everything, you're always starting with an educational piece. So it's educational, but it's also perspective because 
you don't really think about fast fashion or the fashion industry or the impact it's having outside of your world. That's how I felt for ever until I came across Larry and he introduced me to it. I'm like, wow, there's so much crap happening that I have no idea about. Being open-minded and continuing to learn more, it's probably the most essential thing because I was closed-minded for a long time and I had no idea there was much out there in the world. But the more I started learning and just consuming information to expand my knowledge and my understanding of things, the more I got directed on what I wanted to learn about and what was most interesting and inspiring to me. So if you start with the education, you'll start to understand more about the world. One thing I like to say is the more you know, the less you understand. The more you understand, the less people think that we need to know more and have more and do more, but maybe that's the wrong approach. Having everything faster and easier and all that it's great. How sustainable is it? Definitely. And I think it's a hard piece of the puzzle trying to figure out how we can answer that question of that innate human desire. Because yes, you want to educate everyone about how you can live more sustainably and things, but how do you convince them to go against the desire of, oh, I want that now. It's like my two-year-old who is like, is he wants his toy right then, right there. And you can't, he balls and wails and everything like that. And so as we grow up, we still have some of that inside of us that in it, that little two-year-old who's saying i want that now and so it's a difficult thing to try to go against that need of oh i want that now but i think education does have a lot to do with it and maybe it's culture too it's changing of the times to make something desirable where the idols and the stars are like going around and saying oh it I waited two weeks for this sustainable shirt to come in and showing it off on YouTube or something like that and being proud of saying, oh, I waited. And then like looking down on people who bought something that was made like yesterday or something like that. Like it, it might be a something to that extent of being able to make influencers show people that waiting is okay. Waiting is good for the planet. Waiting is sustainable and something that we want to do and make it something desirable versus what we have right now. Or is I want to get the latest thing right now. So maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. Yeah, I think it definitely does. One thing that I read, I remember where it was, but I remember this, this saying, how much sweeter the victory after the struggle to success. And I think that applies to more than just making an achievement in your life, but the difference between immediate gratification and delayed gratification is there's a huge value in delayed gratification. If you look into a dopamine detox, uh, I tried it for four days. I didn't want to go the whole month because I'm not at that level yet, but I tried it like four days, not doing anything I enjoyed and just being completely bored and bull. And then the next day I start to enjoy the things that I really did not like doing because it just resets your circuits or resets your brain a little bit. And I think that's important to understand that you can do that because you know, you know, what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know as well. So you try something <laughs> new. So instead of getting all this immediate gratification and I want this now and it's faster and it's cheaper and it's quicker and blah, blah, blah. Everything gets cheaper over time. Everything has told us that from history to date, everything gets cheaper over time. And the more that you hold off on getting something that you want, the more value you'll place onto it because it took more to get it. Yeah, definitely. And it comes to the way we want to use our items. So like if we, we buy something and if we got it really quick and it was really cheap and really easy, we might not value it as much. And then we might be like, oh, in a couple of months, I want this new thing. So I'm just going to throw that away versus something that you had to wait for or something that you value more. You might be like, oh no, like this still is working great. I'm going to keep using it until it's either broken or it reaches its end of life, right? The amount of time that you wait and delaying that gratification does allow you to value something even more, like you said, which is an important part as well.
if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But also, if it ain't <laughs> broke, why replace it? Exactly, which I think Apple and all of the phone companies hate us to say. The opposite <laughs> of what marketing promotes. You need this thing now. Fear missing out. Don't miss out on this new product. Yeah. So how can somebody best support the work that you guys are doing? We have a GoFund oh. that people can contribute to. We also have our website, which is LarryRobsFoundation.org. So people can go there, check out what we got going on and contribute through there if they want to help. Or we're also accepting volunteers. We have a consistently growing team of people volunteering all around the world. Our team is now in, I think, seven countries and about a dozen nice. people. So it's <laughs> amazing. Awesome. People seeing an opportunity that they can get connected to and they believe in. And then they're just freely offering, hey, I can do this for you guys. Hey, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I'm like, sweet. Fantastic. More people getting Let's involved, building a community. And that's what life is all about, getting other people doing what they're good at. So you don't have to do something you're not good at and end up resenting whatever it is. And everybody does what they're good at, raises the whole, raises everybody up. Definitely. And I'll have all the links and everything in the show notes and description and everything. So that you can find it all there, if you're listening or tuning in and aren't sure how to spell Larry Raub's foundation or anything like yeah. that. <laughs> so don't worry, it's all there for you. And I'd love to shift over now to Pains to Profits. Do you mind telling us about Pains to Profits and what you do there? Absolutely. So Pains to Profits, just basically working with business owners to increase their operational efficiency, which just really means saving a lot of time and making more money with systems, funnels, workflows, stuff like that. And that's pretty much the basics of the business right there. And over the weekend, I've been in the process of rebranding to make it more suitable. But yeah, that's the core concept is just saving time, making more money. Nice. Every business owner knows those words well and likes to hear those Absolutely. things come together. Definitely. Who do you generally work with when you're trying to help them make more money and make them more efficient? I could technically work with anybody. And we've all been down that road. I can help anybody. Yeah. But yeah. no, who I would prefer working with is executive leadership team coaches. So the people that help the leadership team of a business to systemize and streamline the business aspect with the team. And then I can come in and help with the systems aspect. So it's a two-part, a doubleheader for businesses, but I like helping those business owners, the coaches to streamline their operations. Nice. And generally, what do you do when you're talking with them? How do you assess whether you'd be a good fit for them? How do you go about working with them after you assess that like first initial meetup and say, oh yeah, we work together well. And then. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of it is just if we vibe together, if it's not a hard conversation to have, because that can definitely be the case. And then you're like, oh, I don't really want to be in this situation. But really just asking them questions about where they're hung up in their business or what they're struggling with, any problems that they're dealing with. Several people that I have talked to, I've said like, how are you qualifying people? Are you doing it right on the call or do you have a qualification method? They're like, normally it's just right on the call. I'm like, you can implement an application to take care of half of your calls right there and save a lot of time. So it's really identifying the biggest bottlenecks and the biggest problems that they're facing in order to come up with the most creative but streamlined solution that can work on its own so that they can take care of the other productive things in their business. Yeah, definitely. Being able to assess whether it's something that you're going to spend a lot of time on and whether that's a really good use of your time or whether that's not a good use of your time is a big thing to you. And I'm assuming that's what you're helping these business owners with and saying, okay, you could spend time on that, but you could also not spend time on that and spend a lot more time doing other things that make you a lot more money versus spending those medial tasks that don't make you as much money. Right. And yeah. that's kind of goes into the third part of a framework I've been working out and trying to iron out is the task time value ratio. So identifying how much it would cost to take care of this versus how much you value your time. 
So if the best example I come up with every time is mowing the lawn, let's say it would cost $50 for somebody to mow the lawn in one hour, and it would take you about an hour, but you value your time at $100 an hour. So in that ratio, the ratio is less than one. So hire somebody to do it and you focus on the more productive parts of your business. That's a good comparison there. Why was it important for you to create pains for profits and why now? Going through life, I had some choices that I've made and realized I needed to start making some better choices to put myself in a better position in life. The thing I always wanted to do, but I never knew how was start a business because I don't like having a boss. So I went into researching how to start an online business and found these different skill sets that I had developed in previous jobs, but didn't really realize what they were until I'd stepped into the online business world. So I started to develop those skills, systems integration and funnel building and kind of put them to solve problems, make things more efficient, make things streamlined and really just be helpful and useful and bring value to businesses. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. And uh, what are your goals for this business for the next like, six months? I just started going through a rebranding this weekend, finishing up that rebranding and putting together the infrastructure I need to build it and scale it and get it running on autopilot as well. So within the next six months, finishing the infrastructure and then putting together a course on the things that I learned last year, other people have gotten value from. So I'm going to put it all in a course and help startups to scale. Yeah, definitely. That's great. And for the transition to the next thing here, I know you're making a trek to walk the longest continuous road. Can you tell us a bit more about that? What was your motivation in doing that? And what is your plan so far? The funny story behind that, I think is funny. There's somebody <laughs> on Lunch Club, which is a networking platform for extended conversations to get to actually know a person rather than pitching a service. Slight plug there. She introduced <laughs> me to the world's longest walkable road based on the conversation we were having. And just because we're all about doing adventurous stuff and I thought it was great. Looked into the article. I was like, this looks really cool. Might be fun to try it someday. And that's all I gave thought to it at first. And a month went by and I met Larry and found out he has this project going in Africa. I'm like, I'm going to be walking through Africa someday. So let's do this. And during that time, I started to have this better understanding of myself because last year was completely transformational for me, self-understanding journey. And the more I thought about the walk, the more I realized it's more than just an adventure. It's a way to connect communities and connect cultures to show people that we're better when we're working together. Like aces in their places, people putting forth their best effort to do something good for other people. Makes sense in my mind. That's how I grew up. You serve others, serve you. Happy days. Like I said, the more I looked into myself, looked into Larry's project, our project, and looked into where I was headed, the more I realized it was all connected. The pieces were just starting to come together and flow in. That's part of what my business rebranding is about as well. Connecting people to the resources and other people that they need in their lives and showing the world that we're better when working together. But also I spent a lot of my life not knowing who I was or being surrounded by people that were similar to me or that I could connect to. And this walk is going to be another opportunity to find people that I can connect with because people that would probably be interested in this kind of thing are probably going to be either adventurous people that do things or people that want to do things that have that call inside them, that drawn towards something bigger than themselves. And it's meant to have an impact, so to speak. Whatever that even means, it's meant to just connect people as best as possible and for me to find my tribe and for them to find their tribe. Definitely. And I think impact is however you look at that word. For me on this podcast, Green Business Impact, is how big of an impact can we have on the climate crisis and what we can do there. And I think for some people, it's different. For some people, it's how can I make an impact on my community? How can I make an impact on 
the state that they live in or the country that they live in? Or how can I make an impact on your family? What is the biggest way that you can impact the people who you love and who are with you? So I think impact has different meanings for different people, but I think you define it for yourself. And I think you've got a, a good definition for yourself there. So that's good. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's a yeah. process to all of that really is making an impact in your own life and getting your life in order. I follow Jordan Peterson. I've been following him for about a year now and he's helped put my life in order. And I really vibe or agree with things that he talks about. Put your life in order and help put your family's lives in order and then go to the community. Start one, start small, start simple. Because if you start simple, you can grow in. It's a lot easier to grow if you start complex and messy and chaotic, it's gonna get even worse when you grow. So that applies to your individual life as well. Getting you situated and your family situated, whether that's the marriage family or family that you come from, or just the people that you associate with the most and you care about. Because family is not just blood deep or blood thick or whatever that saying is. Put your gas mask on before you help somebody else put their gas mask on. And obviously the next person you're gonna help put their gas mask on is your family. And then your surrounding community, your friends, your tribe. Yeah, definitely. And that really goes back to, our evolutionary roots of where we come from, being able to help yourself, help your family, and then help your extended family, if you want to say it, your tribe or whoever is closest to you. So that's great. And when is your plan to do the trek? What time period are you looking at? I'm starting June next year. Nice. I'm getting ready. Obviously, I have no idea how I'm going to do everything yet, but I know when to start and I know approximately what I'm going to need. So I just need to make the right connections and talk to the right people and see how it goes. You don't really need to know how to do something as long as you have a direction. Definitely. I like that. And I like to ask this too, just because I get a, lots of varied responses and it's always really interesting to hear. What are you currently learning right now? There's so many things. Goodness. I have trouble <laughs> with this question because I have my fingers in so many pies at once. Maybe it's ADHD. Maybe it's just my massively vast array of interests. Someone might call it polymath, whatever that means. So. Right now I'm digging deeper into storytelling. I love the book Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. He's one of the people that I've been following as well to grow myself and understand how to grow my company. So storytelling, learning more about what is NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Mm -hmm. Seems really interesting, so I'm trying to learn more about that. And uh, putting together something that makes sense. Like a course, it's course creation. I have these things that I'm trying to organize in my head and I just need to put them on paper. So I'm learning how to do that in the most effective way possible. Yeah, definitely. So I was listening to this one thing about they analyzed people who were successful and they found that there is pretty much like two different routes for people who become successful. You have those people who are like dabble in a bunch of other things and they usually take a bit longer than those people that have a very set mindset and goal. They went to harvard to get their medical degree they became a doctor they started research they found a treatment for a certain type of cancer by the age of 25. you have those like people who like know what they're doing and like they get it done right and they're they can be extremely successful but then it, what they find is that those people they're really good in their field but they have a really terrible time if something happens to that field right and then you have more of a generalist who goes and like dabbles into a bunch of different things and they look and see okay how can i they're just interested in so many different things. And so usually what happens is they gather a lot of different skills. And so they usually take them a lot longer before you see any type of results of what they're doing, because it's like they have a bit flatter of a beginning and then they kind of like skyrocketing after that, because they start pooling all of the things that they learned from all the 
different little fields that they got interested in and they start pulling them all together and using them into whichever field they finally land in and then they just start skyrocketing because of the fact that they've brought together all these multiple different experiences and be able to really go far and they found that while both methods can be extremely successful that you really need to have the middle ground is always all good because you can have that generalist mentality where you find different things and put them together and then at the end when you finally find that thing that you're really into you just go into it like crazy like those people who are just like set from the beginning who know exactly what they want and then you're able to just really take all of those experiences bring them together and just start killing it basically and so i think being able to see that you're interested in so many different things is good you might find that you're one of those more of a generalist and lead towards that way and you might find that two three four years you might be able to see oh there's this one thing that i really love i'm going to take my experience from here i'm going to take my experience from here and then just start skyrocketing and see your success stores it's exciting yeah i definitely agree and for the longest time i was 100 percent the latter I was dipping my fingers in everything. I had so many different jobs and started gathering so many different skills, but there were only skills. They weren't specialties. Now I'm trying to work into the more direct approach and have more specialties. And that's one of the things that's a view of a subject or part of the training that I'm going to be putting together. And so the rebrand is called generational rebranding because that's what I'm doing with myself and my family. And this literally just came to me over the weekend. I was like, totally not prepared for this. But generational you, you take what comes and go for it. <laughs> yeah, I spent all morning trying to put together like a lead funnel and stuff just to prepare for this. But generational rebranding, where it mixes both of those things. You gather a whole bunch of information from different things. And in the process of that, you start to learn more about yourself and understand yourself. When you get to this other side, you have a more direct approach to what you're supposed to be doing with your life because you know it's your calling. And that's the process that I went on last year, having so many different areas of interest and things that I can do, filter it into one big ball of this is me, this is why I'm here. So generational rebranding is gonna be the new pains to profit, so to speak, but it's gonna be so much more, so much deeper. And I am a generational rebrander because that's what I'm doing for myself and for my family. And those are the kind of people that I wanna connect with. Yeah, definitely. I love that, that's great. And I think that's so important for, I think a lot of us, and I wish they taught us more of this kind of stuff in school. Like being That's able, part of it as well, reforming the educational system. Because it's like being able to, I think this a lot has to relate to emotional intelligence, like they call it, really being able to say, who am I? What do I wanna do? Why is this important to me? all those kind of things are really fundamental things and like why am I here on this earth fundamental questions that we never even really touch in school like you might have an essay about it but that's it like one essay in fifth grade but that's it yeah, and so like you don't know but, exactly what you want to do in fifth grade exactly unless you're like a very few you're that one percent who went to Harvard and got yeah. the doctorate degree and all that kind of stuff but yeah and so I've heard stories of people they were standing in line at the college campus to sign up for their degree or something like that and the guy behind them asked him what he was signing up for and he said art and then the guy behind him was like oh there's no future in art sign up for engineering and so literally was like oh okay changed his whole entire life literally yeah. because the guy behind him told him that there's no future in art it's like how do you go from for 18 years decide what's gonna happen for your entire life 
based on what you go and get your major, what you go and get your, your college degree in. And it's like, how are you supposed to know that at 18 when your brain's not even fully developed? It's so difficult in that sense of things, but it's also so difficult just because we're not taught about that. We're not taught how to develop and how to explore our own life and our own meeting. And, and so I think you saying that you've gone through that this past year, I've been exploring that as well. It's definitely an exploration that we all need to go through trying to figure out what we are doing here. Absolutely. I think it's huge. The educational piece, again, that's the building blocks of it really. And our current educational system, while it does have its benefits, it's was really created to produce workers, not humans. And now that we've come into this technology age and this information age and web one, web two, now web three, and it's probably going to be web seven in three years or something like that. We need to evolve with the times and we have systems and procedures and structures in place to take care of a lot of things that we used to have to do manually now are taken care of automatically. So now we have to adjust if we want to grow and progress. So having the education updated and adjusted to evolve with the times that we're in seems like a pretty necessary improvement or upgrade than yet got around to. And that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about because I didn't learn anything in school. I learned things in school, obviously, but <laughs> it did not set me up for adult life and how to be a human and how to function in society, especially since one way of teaching does not fit all ways of learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, uh, big problem. And I want to help. I'm going to help upgrade it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think now in the age that we're living in with the way we have AI and technology that's coming into play, I think we can touch that. I think we can actually finally have the ability to teach people the way that they learn. I think in the past, we very much were like, okay, the kids go to a school room, they're taught by one teacher. And back in the 40s and 50s or so, it was one schoolhouse for all grades and all sorts of things like that. And now we've gotten a little bit better with separating the grades and the ages and everything like that. That's better. But still, I think that next step, which a lot of schools have started, and there's a lot of new technology out there that's starting to do this, but I think a widespread adoption of this would be even better to really allow students to learn based on where they're at and using machine learning and algorithms we actually have that capability to do that to give children challenging problems that are based on their skill level versus just giving them the same procedures that everyone else has so i think that's a huge part meeting people sure. where they're at the essential because if you're going above or below where they're at it's going to be confusing and yeah or boring you know, absolutely confusing boring Either way, it's just not going to work out as well. So meeting people where they're at is really what we need to do for every situation. I agree. And just to finish up here with the last couple of questions, what is one tip that you would give any other ecopreneur out in the audience who's wondering how they can grow their green business or start their own green business? What is one tip that you would give them? Okay. It's going to go along the lines of be you, be authentic, but really it's not that simple. That's just kind of surface <laughs> level advice to give. But one thing that helped me last year and is continuing to help me is you are not what you offer, you offer who you are. So if you can weave that into your business, it'll be more than selling a product or a service. It will be communicating your life to somebody else in need. Wow. That, that got me thinking like, whoa, 
Okay. I need to like reconsider a lot of things right after this call. Wow. That's powerful. I really like that. I'm just going to definitely have to think more on that. That was really big. I like that. And if anybody would like to get in touch with you, reach out to you, learn more about what you're doing with any of your different ventures, how can they get in touch with you? Currently I'm on LinkedIn 90% of the time. So find me on LinkedIn, Travis Robbins, Pains to Profits. That's what it is currently. Subject to change pretty soon because of the rebranding, but also finishing putting together a guide for startup scaling, which includes a framework for understanding yourself better, a continual understanding yourself better, setting up with your own lead funnel, helping you select the things to get started with a lead funnel, email sequence and automations and progression filter and other things I didn't actually talk about on this podcast, but I put together a 27 page document with a whole bunch of stuff. So stay tuned for that, finishing it up, but I will definitely be releasing that soon. Help people get started with their startup scaling and putting together the course as well for startup scaling. So stay awesome. tuned, but I'm mostly on LinkedIn right now. Great. And I'll have all the links for everything in the show notes and descriptions. And Travis, thank you so much for coming on to Green Business Impact Podcast. I had a great time talking to you. I think there is so much to dive into here, so much to explore. I'm definitely going to take your tip and just completely rethink how I consider my own business. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the call. One of the, my favorite parts of having these interviews is not only being able to let everyone know about the work that people are doing, but also transforming myself. It's a wonderful process. So thank you so much for being part of that transformation. And I hope to have you back on sometime, maybe next june or july when you start right before you start your walk and your trek and see how things have progressed so thank you so much for coming on the call thank you so much billy it's been an honor my first podcast and i think it went well you're a great person to talk to a great conversationalist and a great host this has been a great experience for me as well to learn and transform how i'm moving forward and with my business with my life and i'm really looking forward to the next time so thank you so much it's been an honor you're very welcome and if you enjoyed listening to this episode about the Larry Robbs Foundation and generational rebranding and how Travis is making a trek on the longest walkable road, then I invite you to check out the links below and see how you could support Travis or collaborate on the best way that you guys can make this world a better place. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast to make an even larger impact on the world, then look no farther than the podcasting platform that I use here to launch every single episode of Green Business Impact, Podbean. I searched through all the different podcasting platforms out there and the best choice by far was Podbean. They give you truly the best value and all the resources you need to spread your message to the world by easily connecting you to all the different podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them. And they give you so many resources and opportunities to monetize it as well. So if you are on the fence about which podcasting platform to go with, make sure you check out the link in the description below to register your podcast with Podbean. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.